My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 110, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 2 Samuel 3 and 4, 1 Chronicles 3 and 4, and Psalm 24. The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Sons were born to David and Hebron. His firstborn was Amnon, the son of Ahinoam of Jezreel. His second, Kiliab, the son of Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. The third, Absalom, the son of Makkah, daughter of Talmai, king of Jeshur. The fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth, Shephthiah, the son of Abital. And sixth, Ethriam, the son of David's wife, Eglah. These were born to David and Hebron. During the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner had been strengthening his own position in the house of Saul. Now Saul had had a concubine named Rizpah, daughter of Ayah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? Abner was very angry because of what Ishbosheth said. So he answered, Am I a dog's head on Judah's side? This very day I am loyal to the house of your father Saul and to his family and friends. I haven't handed you over to David. Yet now you accuse me of an offense involving this woman. May God deal with Abner, but be it ever so severely, if I do not do for David what the Lord promised him on oath and transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and establish David's throne over Israel and Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Ishbosheth did not dare to say another word to Abner because he was afraid of him. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to say to David, Whose land is it? Make an agreement with me and I will help you bring all Israel over to you. Good, said David, I will make an agreement with you, but I demand one thing of you. Do not come into my presence unless you bring Michael, daughter of Saul, when you come to see me. Then David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, son of Saul, demanding, Give me my wife, Michael, whom I betrothed to myself for the prince of a hundred Philistine foreskins. So Ishbosheth gathered orders and had her taken away from her husband, Patiel, son of Laish. Her husband, however, went with her, weeping behind her all the way to Baharim. Then Abner said to him, Go back home. So he went back. Abner conferred with the elders of Israel and said, For some time you have wanted to make David your king. Now do it, for the Lord promised David, By my servant David I will rescue my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all their enemies. Abner also spoke to the Benjamites in person. Then he went to Hebron to tell David everything that Israel and the whole tribe of Benjamin wanted to do. When Abner, who had 20 men with him, came to David at Hebron, David prepared a feast for him and his men. Then Abner said to David, Let me go at once and assemble all Israel for my lord the king, so that they may make a covenant with you and that you may rule over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. 
Just then, David's men and Joab returned from a raid and brought with them a great deal of plunder. But Abner was no longer with David in Hebron because David had sent him away and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the soldiers with him arrived, he was told that Abner's son of Naar had come to the king and that the king had sent him away and that he had gone in peace. So Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why did you let him go? Now he is gone. You know Abner, son of Ner. He came to deceive you and observe your movements and find out everything you are doing. Joab then left David and sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cistern at Sirah. But David did not know it. Now, when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into an inner chamber, as if to speak with him privately, and there, to avenge the blood of his brother, Asahel, Joab stabbed him in the stomach, and he died. Later, when David heard about this, he said, I and my kingdom are forever innocent before the Lord concerning the blood of Abner, son of Ner. May his blood fall on the head of Joab and on his whole family. May Joab's family never be without someone who has a running sore or leprosy, or who leans on a crutch, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks food. Joab and his brother Abishai murdered Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel in the battle at Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and all the people with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth and walk in mourning in front of Abner. King David himself walked behind the bear. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king wept aloud at Abner's tomb. All the people wept also. The king sang this lament for Abner. Should Abner have died as the lawless die? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. You fell as one falls before the wicked, and all the people wept over him again. Then they all came and urged David to eat something while it was still day. But David took an oath and saying, May God deal with me, but be it ever so severely if I taste bread or anything else before the sun sets. All the people took note and were pleased. Indeed, everything the king did pleased them. So on that day, all the people there and all Israel knew that the king had no part in the murder of Abner, son of Ner. Then the king said to his men, Do you not realize that a commander and a great man has fallen in Israel this day? And today, though I am the anointed king, I am weak, and these sons of Zariah are too strong for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to his evil deeds. When Ishbosheth, son of Saul, heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost courage, and all Israel became alarmed. Now Saul's son had two men who were leaders of raiding bands. One was named Banah and the other Rechab. They were sons of Ramon and Berithite from the tribe of Benjamin. Beroth is considered part of Benjamin. Because the people of Beroth fled to Gitiam and have resided there as foreigners to this day. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Now, Rechab and Banah, the son of Ramon, the Berethite, set out for the house of Ishbosheth, and they arrived there in the heat of the day while he was taking his noonday rest. They went into the inner part of the house as if to get some wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and his brother Banah slipped away. They had gone into the house while he was lying on the bed in his bedroom. After they stabbed and killed him, they cut off his head, taking it with them. They traveled all night by way of the Arabah. They brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, your enemy, who tried to kill you.
This day the Lord has avenged my lord the king against Saul and his offspring. David answered Rechab and his brother Benah, the sons of Ramon the Berethite, as surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble. When someone told me Saul is dead, and though he thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death in Ziklob. That was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house on his own bed, should I not now demand his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? So David gave an order to his men and they killed them. They cut off their hands and feet and hung the bodies by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in Abner's tomb at Hebron. First Chronicles 3. These were the sons of David born to him in Hebron. The firstborn was Amnon, the son of Enoam of Jezreel, the second Daniel, the son of Abigail of Carmel, the third Absalom, the son of Makkah, daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, the fourth Adinaj, the son of Haggith, fifth Shepathai, the son of Abitel, and the sixth Ethriam by his wife Eglah. These six was born to David in Hebron, where he reigned seven years and six months. David reigned in Jerusalem 33 years, and these were the children born to him there, Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. These four were by Bathsheba, daughter of Amiel. There were also Ibhar, Elishu, Elephelet, Nagah, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Elephelet, nine in all. All these were the sons of David, besides his sons by his concubines, and Tamar was their sister. Solomon's son was Rehoboam, Abijah his son, Asa his son, Jehoshaphat his son, Jehoram his son, Ahazai his son, Joash his son, Amaziah his son, Azariah his son, Jotham his son, Ahaz his son, Hezekiah his son, Manasseh his son, Ammon his son, Josiah his son, and the sons of Josiah, Johanan the firstborn, Jehoiakim the second son, Jedekai the third, Shalom the fourth, the successors of Jehoiakim, Jehoashin his son, and Zedekai, the descendants of Joachim the captive, Shalatiel his son, Malkariam, Padai, Shenazar, Jakamai, Hoshama, and Nadiabiah the son of Padai, Zerubel and Shemai, the sons of Zerubel, Meshalem and Hanai, Shalomiath was their sister. There were also five others, Hashubah, Ohel, Barakai, Hasadai, and Jushabu Hased, the descendants of Hanani, Pelatai, and Jeshahai, and the sons of Raphai, or of Arnon, of Obadiah, and of Shechaniah the descendants of Shechanai, Shemahai, and his sons Hatush, Egal, Baria, Naria, and Shaphat, six in all, the sons of Naria, Elenoai, Hizkai, and Azrikam, three in all, the sons of Elenoai, Hadovai, Elishib, Pelai, Akub, Johanan, Delai, and Anani, seven in all, the descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezram, Carmi, Hur, and Shabal,
Raya, son of Shabal, was the father of Jahath, and Jahath, the father of Ahumai and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Atam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. Their sister was named Hazalelaponi. Penuel was the father of Gedor, and Ezer, the father of Hesha. These were the descendants of her, the firstborn of Ephrathah and father of Bethlehem. Ashur, the father of Tekoi, had two wives, Halah and Nara, bore him Azuaham, Hefer, Temani, and Hashatari. These were the descendants of Nara, the sons of Halah, Zereth, Zohar, Ethnan, and Koaz, who was the father of Anub, and Hazabah, and of the clans of Aharahel, son of Harum. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I may be free from pain. And God granted his request. Kelub, Shuahah's brother, was the father of Mehir, who was the father of Eshton. Eshton was the father of Beth Rapha, Pasia, and Tehenai, the father of Ir Nahash. These were the men of Rakah, the sons of Kenaz, Athniel, and Serahai, the sons of Athniahil, Hathath, and Menoathai. Menoathai was the father of Ophrah, and Sarai was the father of Joab, the father of Giharashim. It was called this because its people were skilled workers. The sons of Caleb, son of Jephunai, Uru, Allah, and Nayam. The son of Allah, Kanaz, the sons of Jehalalel, Ziph, Ziphah, Tiria, and Asarel, the sons of Ezra, Jether, Merid, Ephor, and Jelon. One of Merid's wives gave birth to Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtomoah. His wife from the tribe of Judah gave birth to Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, the father of Soka, and Jekuthiel, the son of Zenoah. These were the children of Pharaoh's daughter, Bithai, whom Merid had married. The sons of Hadoi's wife, the sister of Naham, the father of Kalah, the Garmite, and Eshtomah, the Machithite. The son of Shimon, Amnon, Renah, Ben-Hanan, and Tilon. The descendants of Ishi, Noheth, and Ben-Zoheth. The sons of Shalah, son of Judah, Er, the father of Lakah. Ladah, the father of Meresheth, and the clans of the linen workers at Beth Ashbeah, Jochim, the men of Kozeba, and Joash, and Seraph, who ruled in Moab and Jeshubi by Lehem. These records are from ancient times. They were the potters who lived in Netaim and Gedera. They stayed there and worked for the king. The descendants of Simeon, Nemuel, Jamin, Jerib, Zeru, and Shaul. Shalom was Shaul's son, Mibsam, his son, and Mishma, his son. The descendants of Mishma, Hamuel, his son, Zakor, his son, and Shammai, his son. Shammai had 16 sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many children. So their entire clan did not become as numerous as the people of Judah. They lived in Beersheba, Maladah, Hazar, Shuel, Bilha, Ezem, Tolad, Bethuel, Hormah, Ziklag, Beth, Markoabeth, Hazum, Susim, Bethbiri, and Sharaim. These were their towns until the reign of David. Their surrounding villages were Atem, Ain, Ramon, Token, and Ashan, five towns, and all the villages around these towns as far as Baliath. These were their settlements, and they kept a genealogical record. Meshohabab, Jamlek, Joshah, 
son of Amaziah, Joel, Jehu, son of Joshabai, the son of Serihai, the son of Asiel, also Elanoi, Jacobai, Jeshoahai, Asiah, Adiel, Jesimiel, Benaha, and Ziza, son of Shippi, the son of Elon, the son of Jedidai, the son of Shimri, the son of Shammai. The men listed above by name were leaders of their clans. Their families increased greatly, and they went to the outskirts of Gedor, to the east of the valley, in search of pasture for their flocks. They found rich, good pasture, and the land was spacious, peaceful, and quiet. Some Hamites had lived there formerly. The men whose names were listed came in the day of Hezekiah, king of Judah. They attacked the Hamites in their dwelling and also the Meunites, who were completely destroyed them as is evident to this day. Then they settled in their place because there was pasture for their flocks. And 500 of these Simeonites, led by Pelatai, Nerei, Rephahai, and Aziel, the son of Ishi, invaded the hills country of Seir. They killed the remaining Amalekites who had escaped, and they have lived there to this day. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, your gates by be lifted up, your ancient door that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Phew, it continues to be difficult to get through these names, and I feel encouraged that Father Mike Schmitz also thinks so too. But it is important to note that these names are important. These are the descendants that lead to the future of the story. They point to Jesus the Messiah, High King, and also the priest. We follow that line as well. As Father Mike Schmidt says, we have more to go, but we're going to be okay. There's so many amazing people to remember. And as Father Mike Schmitz also says, these are the people God chose to tell his story of redeeming the world. So if we look at it like that, maybe it makes it a little bit easier. In 2 Samuel chapter 3 and 1 Chronicles chapter 3, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but the descendants of David are both mentioned, and these names are going to come to life as we learn more about their stories. So if, if you want, you can go back and read it again. So in 2 Samuel 3 and 1 Chronicles 3, it talks about all of David's children, and rest assured that we're going to see many of those names again as we learn more about the story. So today we read this tragic story where David went into an agreement of sorts with Abner, but the previous king, Saul's son, Ashibosheth, was accusing Abner of taking one of Saul's concubines. And while Father Mike Schmitz describes his understanding of commentaries to suggest there isn't a reason to suspect that Abner would lie, but at the same time, there really isn't any evidence that it is not true. So some speculate Abner made up this accusation or this accusation was made up against him, but this may or may not be true. So we sort of hold this in suspension, or I do at least. For me, what seems to be suspect as well 
is twofold. One, there isn't more than one witness, and Abner doesn't seem to think there is a need for one, nor does anyone else. And second, this negatively implicates, you know, people in adultery. So none of these things, only having one witness in adultery, aren't great According to Hebrew law, anyway, I'm not sure about all the other ancient laws, but the whole thing seems a bit murky, right? So for me, the whole thing, it's all kind of suspect. But in any case, Abner pledges himself to David in a military sort of way. But there is something that seems trustworthy about what he's offering and offers to fight for David and Israel to unite the kingdom. Yet, as we've learned in the past, violence gets begets violence. And although just a story ago, Abner had killed one of the three brothers in self-defense in, in Gideon, which would have been allowed, Joab, one of the brothers, pursues revenge and kills Abner. So there were three brothers. Abner ends up killing one in battle, but it's deemed as self-defense. But Joab is not going to let it go. So this is somewhat of a political nightmare. You can imagine for David, on top of being a tragedy in and of itself, because David has invited Abner to him when this took place. So what is David's response? He mourns Abner's death publicly and orders the murderer, Joab, and the other brother, Abishai, to wear sackcloth and publicly mourn as well. So the people saw this as justice because David was trying, or at least willing, to make a former enemy, Abner, his friend. And when this enemy was wrongly killed, Father Mike Schmidt says, there is wisdom in mourning our enemies and wisdom in wanting to make enemies our friends, like David was willing to do with Abner. Father Mike Schmidt says, you know, it is not to trust someone who isn't trustworthy. I definitely don't think that's the point. But to keep or allow a door to be open or at least a little bit open for if and when that enemy wants to come home, they too might come to a place in their lives where they want to be reconciled and forgiven by God and want to become representatives of God in his kingdom. So to do this and to know how, it requires God's wisdom. This story is about forgiveness, ending a cycle of violence, and recognizing there may be God's wisdom and making an enemy who shows signs of being trustworthy and a softening heart to become a friend, as was the case with David and Abner. Today, we also read in 2 Samuel chapter 4 about David's reaction to the death of Ishibosheth, Saul's son. And remember, Saul was the former king. Father Mike Schmitz points out that the book of Samuel will show David's woundedness, whereas Chronicles more narrowly focuses on David's strengths. So here in this story, what's really cool is we see the pattern where David does not take pleasure in people's death or killing people, but he is willing to do it. In this story, David is offering mercy to Ishibosheth, even though he, he was the enemy of David, you know, dividing the kingdom. Yet, People killed him. There were two people that killed him. I'm not going to try their names. I might not do that justice. (laughs) Father Mike Schmidt says this points back to the verses about the people all doing what they wanted. But here, David is saying, no, this is not the way. We're going to live according to God's law. David does not reward them at all, but instead he has them killed, making it clear this is not the way. There is going to be a turning focus on the people following David and David following and bringing back worship to Yahweh God and creating a temple, which is really cool. Um, Again, because the story's like weaving in, 
you know, the possibility and what that means with God's discernment to have an enemy as a friend, to end cycles of violence, not condone it, to mourn our enemies and not not to take some sort of strange pleasure in that. Obviously, there can be a sense of peace in adversaries, you know, being removed, but there's so much wisdom and discernment that's starting to bubble to the surface here, which is really cool. And then in Chronicles, we are seeing this genealogy, which is continuing to point to the Messiah King and the priesthood towards a new temple. And the story of David is also going to be about the people following David, the covenant and temple worship, which I don't know about you, but I'm seeing this foreshadowing, if you will, of ultimately Jesus, who is going to be that high priest and king and the Messiah who is coming to be all these things and the way that it has to be done, the only way, because we as humans can't do it on our own, and that we're to follow him, to worship him, and imitate him, and model what he's been teaching, and remember the story to being and becoming a kingdom of priests. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.